What a, an exciting day to be in church with you. I absolutely love the opportunity to be with you, and it's been an amazing just over nine years uh, since I attended the very first service uh, over in the high school, and what a privilege it is to get to share God's Word with you today. I'm very excited about that. I believe God has a Word for each and every one of us that I'm going to do my best to share with you, but uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor Justin, and, and it's been an amazing thing to watch for 20 years, actually, since he was 19 years old, uh, and I want to encourage you parents. Like, So I, I remember the moment. I remember the moment we sat uh, after a service on the, on the steps of the altar and just had our first real conversation, and, and I've, I felt like I, I'm from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. We planted 22 years ago, so we were only a couple years old as a church. But I, I get to serve under an amazing man of God, incredible pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges. And I'm having this conversation uh, with Pastor Justin, who wasn't a pastor back then, believe me. Uh, and, uh, and, and in that conversation, and I don't, I don't really get visions or prophetic words, but in that conversation, uh, Stephen Ellen, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, I, f- I felt like I looked at Justin and for a moment the Holy Spirit said, this is another Chris Hodges. Like, and he was 19, and he was just, just getting, get, getting uh, closer to Jesus for the first time. And it was, it was a moment that I, w- I will never forget. And when I'm in this church, it's just, it's, it's so real to me that God spoke the truth in that moment. But he came into our college. We have a Bible school called Highlands College. And I want to encourage you parents, if you have a wild child, if you have a, a son or a daughter that you're very concerned about, you have a son or a daughter that pushes the limits, you have a son or a daughter uh, that, that stresses you out, a son or a daughter that just pushes you to the edge, those ones are the ones with the most potential. And your pastor was one of those. We've had Highlands College for 22 years. I don't know that I've stressed more over any of our students than your pastor. And so, Gabby, thank God for you. Uh, Stephen Ellen, thank God for you. Um, uh, Come on, give it up for mom and dad. We're always honoring Pastor Justin, but Stephen Ellen, you guys are amazing. An an incredible young man of God that you raised. And and it's it's so fun. God's design is the local church. That, that the church and the family would, would come together. And, and really, as the youth pastor back then, I, I, my, I was uh, supposed to lock arms with mom and dad and, and be a part of the family, being a different voice, probably saying the same exact things. And, uh, and Pastor Chandler did a phenomenal job a couple weeks ago bringing God's word to you. But our student ministry here at Action, that's what, that's what we're all about, is, is literally locking spiritual arms with you parents and making sure that we do everything that we can do to speak life over your students and speak encouragement and God's word into your students' lives. No matter how wild and crazy they might be, no matter how much stress they're causing, uh, that's what we want to be as a church, uh, is coming alongside of you families and, and being there for your students, your young people, your children, and, and locking arms with you to invest in them. And then we believe with all of our heart, there'll be a day 20 years later where you get to experience what I'm experiencing when I'm, I'm just so thankful for you and so proud of you and, uh, and honored to actually be a part of your church. And, uh, and, and that's what God has for us in our, our futures. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, get a head start on Easter today. 
I want, I mean, this is the greatest season in, in the calendar year because the greatest miracle in the history of the world took place on Resurrection Sunday, which we're about to celebrate. And so as we go into this Easter season, I actually wanted to talk about the cross a little bit. And, and, and really focus in on the cross. If you want to title today's message, if you're taking notes uh, over in Oviedo, you could just write down Encounters at the Cross. And I want to, I want to take a look at three people that encountered Jesus uh, at the cross and, and how their experience uh, can connect with us and help lead us uh, today. I, I know that there is a huge difference between knowing about something and encountering it. There's a huge, huge difference. I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado, before I moved to Birmingham. That's why I don't have a southern accent, everybody. Uh, Before I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, I I grew up in Colorado Springs at the foot of Pikes Peak. And I could show you a picture of Pikes Peak, but unless you actually drive to the summit and breathe the thin air, no oxygen up there at 14,115 feet, and look to the east, the amber waves of grain, or look to the west, purple mountain majesty. Until you go there and encounter it yourself, a picture will never do it justice. Studying it will never do it justice. Learning more about it will never do it justice. But you have to encounter it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a race guy. I love, I love racing and auto racing, and I raced in Colorado uh, for many years. Uh, but I, 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 I could tell you about the Daytona 500. It's not far from here. Uh, it's a super speedway, and those cars run over 200 miles an hour, four, 43 of them almost touching, sometimes touching each other. And, and if you see it on TV, you fall asleep. They're going in circles. And I can tell you how amazing it is and how awesome it is, but until you actually go to Daytona and stand there during a race and feel and hear the sound of 43 cars going by at 200 miles an hour, you have no idea what the Daytona 500 is all about. Knowing about it and encountering it are two different things. We don't get great sunrises in Birmingham, Alabama, but you have some a little east of here, right? There's nothing like being on the beach when the sun comes up. We could show pictures, we could show videos, but unless you're there and you encounter it, you have no idea what it's really like. One more thing, we have this in, in Alabama, it's a, it's a big deal to us, it's, it's probably the fifth food group, but until you have actually taken a bite of a hot Krispy Kreme donut, <laughs> until you have encountered heaven on earth, nothing compares no picture, no explanation. Like, like it's just different encountering a Krispy Kreme donut yourself. And it has to be warm. They're terrible when they're not warm, all right? So it has, has to be fresh. But, but many of us know about God, but have we encountered God? We know about Jesus. We maybe even go through the Christian motions. We maybe even say we're a Christian, Oh yeah, I'm a believer, but have we really encountered him? Do we have firsthand experience of of him doing something in our life that's real and significant and life-changing and life-giving? And I want to look at, at three encounters in Scripture, three criminals that were supposed to hang on crosses on on that terrible day that we call. Good Friday. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 
It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Every location say power. power. When we realize who Jesus is, and he saves us, and we have a relationship with him, we then encounter the power of God. So three criminals were sentenced to die that day. Jesus was not one of them. The trials had taken place, convictions were handed down, and three criminals were ordered to die. And then the night before, Jesus is falsely accused. He is betrayed by one of his very own, and then he goes into this illegal court proceeding to be convicted of sins that he never committed. And it was a custom then in in the governmental system Uh, that you could call for the release of a prisoner in exchange for someone else. And that's what took place that day. And so the first encounter at the cross I want to look at would be the criminal Barabbas. He was supposed to die on the cross. He was a revolutionary. He was a a murderer. And, And in so many Ways that re- represents our sins, where, where we're rebelling and we're, we're against God and, and, and we are separated from God by our sin. And, and whatever his imprisonment looked like, I have no idea what it would have been like 2,000 years ago. I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant. I'm sure there wasn't a mattress and, uh, and a nice uh, meal three times a day. It wasn't like that. Like, so whatever his environment was, when he got up that morning, he was headed to the cross, And yet, an innocent man was going to get involved. He had no idea would impact his freedom. Luke chapter 23, verse 23. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So it was the crowd that sent Jesus to the cross. Not even the illegal court proceedings or the the false prosecution. It was the crowd. It was us who prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. And as they requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison, for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over over to them to do as they wished. This is the first example of what many call a beautiful exchange. It's truly the first salvation moment, if you will. A prisoner headed to the cross that day is released completely free because of a sinless man, Jesus, stepping in his place. It is the perfect example of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. It is the perfect picture of where we were headed. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So we're all headed to eternal hell and damnation, paying for our own sins. And yet Jesus steps in. And we, we have no idea what Barabbas thought. We hear no other account of, of if he put his faith in Jesus. But I can tell you this, we have documentation of him being physically freed because of Jesus So I would submit to you literally one of the first people to experience freedom through what Jesus was doing on the cross. So the murderer encountered the cross, encountered Jesus, and experienced 
physical freedom. John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all. Everybody say all. (laughs) What a miracle. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. We were condemned. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So Jesus took care of us. Jesus exchanged places with us. And I don't know if you've ever experienced his freedom, but my prayer is that you will experience it today. I also know that many have experienced his freedom, but the enemy of our soul, the devil, the liar, the thief, has come to steal, kill, and destroy that freedom and has somehow pulled us back into bondage, has somehow pulled us back toward our own imprisonment, has somehow pulled us back toward our own death on a cross, and has pulled us away from that life-giving relationship with Jesus. And for some of us, we need to come back into that freedom and step back into that freedom. Jesus freed the one that was supposed to die, and Jesus wants to free you today. The next two people I want to look at end up hanging on either side of Jesus. There are three crosses set up that day to to execute those three criminals. Jesus takes the place of Barabbas, and now you have Jesus hanging on the cross, and you have a criminal on either side. We don't know that they're murderers, but we know that they were convicted of something enough to give them the death penalty, and a horrible, brutal execution on a cross. And the first person that we'll look at, so we have two people hanging on either side of Jesus, and we have two different responses to who Jesus is. And the first one we'll look at, I'll call him the scoffer. He's a skeptic, he's critical, he's pessimistic, he's selfish, he's prideful, he's, he's about cancel culture, he, he's about... Like, like let's, let, let's let my emotions prevail in my life. As he's hanging on the cross, right next to Jesus. And here's what he says about Jesus. Also, Luke chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too, while you're at it. You can just sense the sarcasm and the, and the disbelief. He had no belief whatsoever that Jesus was the son of God, that Jesus could literally save him from the death and the hell and the eternal separation from God that he was facing in that moment. But I believe, and I know this of myself, and I believe for most of us, there is a scoffer inside of us. The human part of us questions. It's natural for us to, to wonder and ponder. Oh, maybe, maybe Jesus wasn't the son of God. Overwhelming stats and studies show that people believe he lived. People believe that he was a man on earth, but they don't really believe that he is the son of God, that he is God himself. 
And so it can rise up in us. I've been a pastor at Church of the Highlands for 22 years. I was in, in, in ministry leadership as a volunteer at my previous church in Colorado for 12 before that. So I, I've been doing ministry for 34 years. And there are times, even as a pastor, where doubt creeps in, where skepticism rises up in this, in this crazy uh, culture of opinion and 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 sharing your own thoughts on social media. I mean, one little post of somebody questioning a scripture, and I, sometimes I'll catch myself like, well, I wonder if that's what God meant. And I can even find myself so often, unfortunately, doubting. And that's human to doubt. It's human to be a skeptic. But we are spiritual beings. There is a spirit side of every human being. You were created, body, soul, and spirit. And our spirits long to be connected with God. It's our spirit that's empty when we don't have relationship with Jesus. It's our spirit that longs to be connected with him. It's our spirit that is not the skeptic and the doubter. And there is this battle between our flesh, our our soul, and our spirit. So don't feel guilty when you doubt. We just experienced maybe one of the worst tragedies we've had at Highlands um, last Friday on the month anniversary of his 17-year-old brother committing suicide. We had an older brother, 23, kill himself after visiting the graveside. It's one of the worst tragedies I've seen at our church, maybe that I've ever even heard about. I cannot imagine what those parents are going through. I can't imagine. And it's human nature to doubt. God, why? God, how? And we have to come back in alignment and remember the cross. Jesus paid it all. Jesus stepped in my place. Jesus stepped in your place. Jesus paid the price for both of those young men. The enemy won an earthly battle, but Jesus wins the battle that matters most, the battle for eternity. And we have to trust that. And we have to fight against our moments of doubt, fight against our moments of questioning God, fight against those. They're natural. It's okay. Don't feel guilty for them, but fight against it and encounter the cross. Remember the cross. Remember what Jesus did for you. You have to choose who Jesus is to you. You cannot be neutral, everybody. You, you, he was either God or he was not. There's, there's no in-between. So you have to decide. He either died for you or he didn't. Your birthday, the calendar, was set on this moment. A.D., after death, 2023 A.D., He was here. He rose from the grave. He died for us. We can experience that power. Even Thomas doubted, right? We know about doubting Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And then Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. He's talking about us because we're not seeing a physical Jesus, but we are believing and knowing that he is the son of God and God moving in our own lives. I I doubted, um, I I don't know how old I was. I wish my parents will be in the next service. Uh, My whole family's here from Colorado and, and, uh, and, 
and I, I, she might, my mom might know what, how old I was, but I, I, I stepped into the place, and, and I hope I don't offend any parents or young people, but I stepped into the place where I f- started to figure out Santa Claus in my mind. It didn't add up. It wasn't, it, 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 it just is it, starting to not make sense to me. I'm starting to put together the pieces, and I'm starting to doubt. I'm starting to scoff, and I'm going into Christmas very pessimistic, very critical, and I don't know if, if my uncle found out about this, but I have a super cool uncle. He was the best uncle in the world growing up, always the most fun. Well, he maybe caught wind that I was a skeptic, and on Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house in Colorado Springs, it was actually snowing, which doesn't happen that often in Colorado Springs on Christmas, so it's a beautiful white Christmas. We're about to open presents, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. reindeer landed on the roof. You could hear their footsteps on the roof. Then there were these loud bells you could hear on the inside of the house. It was a small ranch, one level house, but we could hear those bells. And then, ho, 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 the skepticism was gone. I had encountered and I had gone so far, now I didn't want him to come down the chimney because now I'm afraid I I don't even want to see Santa because he's on the roof right now. Everything changed with an encounter. Everything changed. And so the same applies to our walk of faith, our faith journey, that when we start to, to lean that direction, well, I don't know about that. Well, I don't, I, I don't know if God's word is actually divinely inspired and every word is the word of God. Yes, it is. We have to come back to the center and come back into alignment. Now, the other criminal on the other side, Same distance from Jesus, sentenced to die, hanging on a cross, has a very different response to Jesus. And let's call him the believer. In Luke 23, verse 40, we hear his side of the story. But the other criminal protested. So he's responding to the scoffer. He's responding to the negativity and the criticism and the lack of belief. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, one of the greatest statements in all of scripture, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel summarized. This is the picture of that beautiful exchange that a criminal guilty of sin, just like a scoffer, takes a different approach to the same cross, a different approach to the same Jesus, and says, I believe in who you are, and his eternity shifted from hell to heaven in that moment. Same physical location, completely different spiritual result. And that's what we have to choose today. Are we going to be the believer? And what a beautiful picture that, that this criminal didn't earn his salvation. He didn't, he didn't go through all the motions to become a Christian. He didn't, he didn't attend church for a year first. He didn't go through action steps, didn't complete step two. 
wasn't even water baptized. All of us need to be water baptized. Jesus said, follow me, like do this. So of course we need to be obedient. He didn't have time. In the moment before he stepped into eternity, he realized Jesus was the son of God and he believed it in his heart and he confessed it with his mouth. As the scriptures say, that's all it takes to be saved. It's not in our actions. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough for it. We don't have to have our life together for it. And this is proof of it, that the gospel applies to you the moment you believe in Jesus and you put your faith in him. So the believer encountered forgiveness at the cross and relationship at the cross. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not by works, not by what you do, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus forgave the thief on the cross next to him, and Jesus forgives you. If you're looking for forgiveness, put yourself in that moment and go to the cross, encounter the cross, and believe. One scoffed and one believed. One encountered forgiveness and received a relationship, experienced eternity in paradise, and one encountered forgiveness and rejected the relationship and experienced eternity separated from God. That's what hell is, is separation from God. There's nothing worse than to be separated from God for eternity. Same encounter, different result. Which one? are you? I have to ask that question as well. How will I respond? How will you respond? As life takes place and life happens and, and, and things get crazy around us and, and the enemy tries to separate us from God and get us further from that moment, further from our encounter with Jesus, and we would come back to him and encounter him. The most beautiful picture of, of these biblical truths and these biblical examples that I have in my own life is, is a pastor named Mayo Swell. You, you've heard from Pastor Mayo here uh, at Action Church before, and, and uh, uh, he uh, played at Auburn. He was a very successful linebacker at Auburn University, War Eagle, if you're from Auburn or Roll Tide if you're for Alabama. Um, I, I, you're welcome, Pastor Justin. Um, I'm glad to live in a state where all we do is win. All right, so um, I'm from Colorado, so I'm a losing Denver Bronco. All right. Um, but Pastor Mayo gets drafted in the NFL. It doesn't go well, and so he turns to a different career path to live the lifestyle of all of his peers that were in the NFL, and he goes to, let's call it a curbside pharmaceutical sales. Let's just call it that. Starts trafficking across state lines, ends up with a federal indictment, and goes to federal prison. His life seemingly over, he goes to prison, and as he tells his story, he goes to prison with one goal and one goal alone. As, lo as long as he's in prison, he is going to study and learn from all the other criminals on how to be a better criminal so he doesn't get caught when he gets out. That, that was his goal. And he was in for a few years, and a, and a gentleman named Howard, a cellmate, 
led him to Jesus. And Mayo gets radically on fire for Jesus. He has a, an encounter at the cross in prison, in federal prison in Arizona. He ends up being released much earlier than expected at five years or four years. He spends four years in federal prison and they release him, but they keep him on house arrest. So he has an ankle bracelet that he has to wear and he has to stay at one location uh, all the time, seven days a week, but is able to leave for a few hours once a week uh, to go to church. So he moves in with his parents and, uh, and finds the closest church to their house, which happens to be Church of the Highlands. He comes into Church of the Highlands and, uh, and of course, you can only imagine what he's experiencing as he's stepping into worship as a believer for the first time uh, outside of prison. And, uh, and somebody on his first visit to Church of the Highlands invites him to a small group. And Mayo doesn't want to tell him, I can't go to a small group. He doesn't want to show his ankle bracelet. So he's like, no, man, thank you. And the next Sunday, the same guy sees Mayo and, hey, man, why don't you come to my small group? He's like, no, no, no. I think this happened three or four times, three or four weeks. And then the small group leader is like, why won't you come to small group with me? And then Pastor Mayo lifted up his ankle brace, lifted up his pant leg and showed the bracelet and said, man, I can't, can't leave my parents' house. I'm so sorry. And then the small group leader is like, that's no problem. We'll move our small group to your parents' house. And, and those of you that have been around action for a while, and those of you that have been uh, through this small group, you're going to know the power of this. It wasn't just a small group. It was a freedom small group. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> Pastor Mayo's parents are far from God at this time, and all of a sudden their son, who is radically on fire for Jesus, who had consumed scriptures eight to ten hours a day while he was in prison. I mean, he knows more scripture than I think anybody that I personally know. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. And then this small group starts meeting in their house. Well, they get on fire for Jesus. Pastor Mayo's dad now serves in our correctional facilities ministry where we have church every Sunday in 20 correctional facilities. Pastor Mayo ends up on our staff at Church of the Highlands for several years. And Pastor Mayo just launched several months ago, Live Church in Atlanta. And you guys were a part of that launch. You invested in that launch because of an encounter in prison. And God can do that for you. If he could do it for me, if he could do it for Pastor Justin, if he could do it for Mayo in prison, he can do it for you. I believe that with all of my heart.